There must be 20 guineas in gold here, father. Well, well, well. You seem to be a very well set up young gentleman, sir. Captain Feeney, that's all the money my mother had in the world. Mightn't I be allowed to keep it? I'm just one step ahead of the law myself. I killed an English officer in a duel, and I'm on my way to Dublin till things cool down. Mr. Barry, in my profession, we hear many such stories. Yours is one of the most intriguing and touching I've heard in many weeks. Nevertheless, I'm afraid I cannot grant your request. But I'll tell you what I will do. I'll allow you to keep those fine pair of boots, which in normal circumstances I would have for myself. The next town is only five miles away, and I suggest you now start walking. Mightn't I be allowed to keep my horse? I should like to oblige you, but with people like us, we must be able to travel faster than our clients. Good day, young sir. So hi and welcome to the Unnamed Movie Podcast. This is Andrew. This is Damien. And this is Douglas. And 10 years late, we've somehow found a way for us to still continue to discuss movies about the war. But more importantly, try to figure out on our over-under bet as to how long this COVID shit's going to go down. <laughs> In Ontario, the numbers have gone above 700 for the first time. I think ever, like as a daily number. Yeah, I heard that you guys um, started school recently. And today they've also announced the opening of casinos. Yeah, good job, guys. So you know, <laughs> good stuff. Yeah. Right. We're all we're all we're all in this together, right? Like, you I, know. <laughs> I can't see a problem with this. Get COVID on red. Yeah. So it's 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 going to be a long winter in the full Game of Thrones sense that we're going into. <laughs> um, I don't know what to do, Damien. Thanks what do I do? Thanks for making everybody depressed before we talk I about mean, this good movie. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're here to talk about depressing movies. Yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense that we started out on a wonderfully depressing note. I mean, I mean, you skipped out the part where we finally crossed the one million deaths mark from covid yep, yep i saw that oh i saw that 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 yeah. news wow. this morning yeah you know the flu you remember in march when people were talking uh, were real buck wild out there and they're just like this is going to be fine one of those people was a president of our country another of those people was the prime minister of a different <laughs> smaller country but still large, you know. And here we are. Uh, we did it, guys. 2020 is... Here to stay? Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't think... Hey, we need to invent four months. Is it going to be fun when next year rolls around and everyone's like, it's 2021, and then you're like, no, it's still 2020. Right, what they should do until CV is over is just n- new months. Like, 
October, Toyota Thorn. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. Just keep adding months. <laughs> December. Because we, we cannot. We cannot. Uh, it's terrifying. But speaking of terrifying. <laughs> so, Damien, I have a question for you. Hi. Right. You know, you know about like in the in the late 30s, mm-hmm. mid, into the 40s, there was this war that happened, right? Uh, not ringing a bell. It's a sequel to another war uh, that involved the world. Uh, okay. This one didn't have an infinity gauntlet, though. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, was it Beast Wars? Close. Um, right. Mm-hmm. The World War Two. Was it Duars? No, it was. <laughs> Duars. Fuck. <laughs> I <get> it. <laughs> you got me. Um, so. We're here to talk about the film The Painted Bird, um, which is set during World War II, and we follow a young child who basically travels across Eastern Europe throughout the war. Mm-hmm. Um, the film came travels out. is a nice way to put it. I like. That. <laughs> <laughs> he goes from place to place, I mean, from scenario to scenario. Yeah, right? yeah, man. If that is what travels is, then sure. <laughs> Are you saying you're not excited to travel? Uh, dog, um, not like him. <laughs> is that how you left the country? Because I don't think you should have done that. The film is made by Czech filmmaker Vaclav Morhul, which I'm sure I've ruined the name, but I tried really hard. I apologize. If he made a better movie, I'd care more. <laughs> um, and hey. yeah, I kind of set up the basic idea of the story. I don't know how much better to do. Douglas, <laughs> take it away. A boy that travels throughout the war. That's, I mean, <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, that's what this movie is about. <laughs> So, Damien, do you remember Butcher Boy? Yeah. Vividly. You really, you, you really wish I picked that one again instead of this, didn't you? <laughs> uh, listen, in, in all honesty, Douglas, for the first hour, the plan was to stab you today. <laughs> and then I realized that this man is basically uh, doing his best um, like Kojima mm-hmm. um, impersonation mm-hmm. where he's built his own world. Like this is this world isn't representative of reality. It is set on earth, but it might as well have not been. <laughs> like it's a fantasy world. <laughs> the most depressing fantasy world <laughs> that he's built. And so I was just like, after an hour of this basically torture pornography i was just like i need to see what else him can come up with like how much further i i was fully expecting by the end of this 
he would like meet his parents and then would be like hit by a tank. They just come up with more and more elaborate ways to inflict as much harm on one child as uh, he thinks is possible. And I really got into it. Uh, that doesn't make the movie good. And, but Douglas yeah. will elaborate more on what <laughs> about the, the goodnessity of this movie. Yeah. You, you said in the right way, this movie definitely is torture porn. It is, a, but it's also a slog. A yes. long slog. <laughs> three hours. Difficult. And it feels like three hours. It feels yeah. longer than three hours. Um, and it takes you through just escalating. How dare you shorten the runtime of this movie? <laughs> <laughs> it, it takes you through escalating scenarios of, of uh, danger and harm that this boy goes through. So as Andrew says, you have a boy who is your main character, your protagonist, shall we say, if we want to use long-syllabled words. And he starts off with somebody who I assume is his grandmother and um, or some old aunt, something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, first off, right, just goes to show I wasn't fully understanding where this movie was going, what it was going for, because the first, <laughs> the first scene of this movie is us watching two or three children running down this boy, chasing this boy. Once they catch up to him, they beat him with a stick and burn his pet ferret alive. That's the first scene. Yep. And it's clear that he has been ostracized from the village for some reason. He's a vampire. Um, so, I actually have that in my notes. <laughs> One of my notes here is... My first note here is he's a vampire. <laughs> um, I literally thought that they thought... Because you can kind of think right it's set in olden times mm-hmm. um i knew it was a war movie uh but then and that's the other thing i saw the trailer and the trailer looks really good um it looks like uh, a really good war movie and then it starts and you realize wait hold on the war is just the setting yeah. the movie is completely different and so i was wondering if it was set in one of those villages where they had a lot of superstitions which it seems like they did so i was legitimately thinking perhaps they think he is some sort of monster maybe they think he is some sort of vampire and um it wasn't until you got more and more into the movie that i started to wonder and i'm not sure but this is a more logical explanation that it had to, something to do with potentially them either believing or him actually being Jewish. And I'm not sure. But whatever it was, they were like, he got the raw end of the deal with from, from the word go with this village. Like literally he came back to his grandmother or his aunt and she was like, I told you not to leave the house. Mm-hmm. Um, you thought they weren't going to try and kill you? Come on. Like, that was how she dealt with it. She didn't, there was no consolations. There was no sort of, 
you know, let me make you some hot cocoa so that you can uh, feel better. It was, yeah, what else did you expect? You're a fucking vampire, <laughs> you know? Um, and it only got worse from there. So his aunt dies and he accidentally burns her and her house to the ground. He again gets beaten by people in the village. Yep. He then gets bought by what can only be described as a witch doctor. I think I mean, witch. I would have just said witch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> think you mean witch. <laughs> and, you know, at this point, because we started so hard, I remember saying, and I have some notes here to say, I hope that she's buying him out of goodwill. I hope that she's really some sort of like old curmudgeon who on the outside is very harsh and stark and no nonsense, but sees a young boy in danger and will teach him her ways and allow him to become her as curmudgeonly as her as the new witch doctor when he grows old. And boy, was that not! I'd just like to say, Douglas, I, it, it warms my heart to know that both you and I have the same optimism <laughs> when we see things in movies. I wanted the exact same thing where she was just a con artist, yes. and she could see that this boy deserved like better. I was like, I'll teach you my con, art- con artistry ways, and you will be fine. Right? Um, and for and for chunk of her segment like it felt all a little like that it did but it did and then you know, she buried him and was upset that the ravens didn't kill him and at that stage i said all right i guess i'm in for a treat um and so the thing about this movie is that both teams played hard um a lot of the performance in this in this movie were great and i think as almost one note as he needs to be in this film i think the boy himself did a really good job for what he has to do um this movie has quite a bit of of talent that you know that you may not have expected to be in a movie like this and um it's filmed well it looks good yeah uh and in a way like even the way that like, if you are on board, right? If this is your particular type of porn, then you will fucking love this movie because it's done so technically well. And even in the way that it is paced and it is structured, it's almost as if this filmmaker has created maybe six or seven mini stories, six yeah. or seven vignettes that are actually chapterized in this film. And I'll give him credit. It's technically really well done. Uh, but boy, was this not for me. Um, I, it, you know, it got to the stage where, and all I can really do is, is, is talk about the excessive levels and increasing, accelerating levels of fuck withery that this child has to deal with um and but i will go through the highlights i did really enjoy not his segment but udo kier yes. and 
his voice in mm. uh, it was great. Can and... Udo Kier stop showing up in his movies? <laughs> like if there's a random no. European movie, nope. he's just like, I'm there. <laughs> he's the Danny Trejo of Europe. <laughs> you can just tell him. And when he spits, that noise that he makes just was hilarious. Uh there was so, a... so talking about misunderstanding things going on in this movie, talking yeah. about the witch segment, yeah. when Udo Kier's segment came up, I don't know if it was just me, but for like a hot minute in that segment, I just assumed he was the father of like this group. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, don't know if this, I don't know if that's another side well, of I like mean, my optimism showing. Maybe he was the father of the group. I've seen Game of Thrones. You know what happens up, up there beyond the wall. Uh, but yeah so there was that segment then there was a segment with the lady who fucks her old man to death Mm -hmm. and then molests this little boy and you're skipping segments so so Douglas Douglas, Uh let me declare to you that segment is when Renata appeared she's like (laughs) I know you're watching your podcast movie but let me let me sit down because you're taking a while let me sit down beside you and she walked in to this woman being punted with a bottle Uh of her vagina (laughs) and she's just like what is happening here who did this to you Andrew and I had to say, Douglas picked the movie. <laughs> okay, so, Damien, so all, of those, all of those years... Was, yes, that was, that was particularly um, uh, visceral. Yes. <laughs> so, all of the years, Damien, in which you would tell me about your family members coming up to you, watching these movies, and yeah. looking at you, and saying, this is a podcast movie, isn't yeah. it? This like is instant. exactly what's happening to me now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they just look at you, look at your face, look at the TV, and they're just like... I don't know why you guys did this to yourself. <laughs> like, no one is enjoying what is happening on the screen. <laughs> but you have, to, you have to power through it, Andrew. Yep. And Damien, I, I accept your point. I'm not going in a linear way. I'm just kind of mm-hmm. hitting the highlights as I... Yeah, man. Uh, I understand. Yeah. But so, Andrew, as I said, it's not that segment I'm talking about. I'm talking mm-hmm. about the one where the woman molests this boy. Yes. And he gets upset and throws a goat head oh, in her right. house. No, and I he was got actually jealous. Upset. He yes. got jealous. He got jealous. Yes. I, I was actually upset because I was hoping that he would pull a godfather and put it in her bed beside her. But <laughs> no, it was he chucked it in good. the window. It was yeah, as good as possible. It was as good. It was yeah. as she good. only saw the first half of that segment. She didn't see the goat head part. But I think that if <laughs> I were Lord. to... <laughs> if I were I'm, to pick... I'm fairly certain that's groans for divorce. <laughs> <laughs> If I were to pick a segment that I could say that potentially I liked mm-hmm. or I appreciated would be the better word for it, All right. it would be that one because mm-hmm. um, of how they portrayed the like emotions and how I I can't even put myself in in those shoes, but how you'd imagine a young boy would react, right? Mm-hmm. Because it is an awful thing to happen. Yeah. But when you are of a certain age and a woman is is throwing herself at you or 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 putting that on the table and you're like hey you can see like the Mm -hmm. the just extreme emotions that he goes through and it was i guess as compelling a segment as there was in this film 
um, as fucking horrendous as it was to watch. Uh, and then I'll just highlight the fact that my boy Harvey Keitel is in this movie just because. And uh, that... So I actually wonder, right? Because there are some English speakers in this movie mm-hmm. who speak varying amounts in a foreign language. And I wonder how that was done. If they actually... So Barry Pepper is one. Harvey mm-hmm. Keitel is another. Barry Pepper, I can see that being him actually talking because his dialogue is very simple. You could see somebody just training him to say the syllables, right? Right. Um, Harvey Keitel was a lot more involved and Mm -hmm. his voice actually sounds different from the voice that you and I know. So I wonder if he can just mouth some stuff and somebody did a voiceover. And I actually tried to do some research, but got bored after a while after I couldn't find the answer. I mean, Stellan is in there too, but he's Swedish. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. I, I'm so sure. Yeah. I'm sure all of their languages is the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so, um, monster. <laughs> <laughs> Harvey Keitel was definitely Harvey Keitel in this movie. Um, the one other segment that I have to highlight and, Actually, scratch me saying that I would have liked that other one more. That one, I I appreciate for its artistic value. The segment that I could say I probably liked the most was the segment with Barry Pepper. And that is because that segment was what I wanted from the original Witch Doctor segment. Mm-hmm. That segment was a man who is, you know, grizzled and affected by war, um, doesn't speak much, but forms this unspoken bond between him and the boy. And it's one that you don't expect because it's not even him that decides, you know what, this is something I need to do. I need to try and, for lack of a better word, save this boy. It's his roommate or or his, his comrade that does so. And he's kind of, the boy's just kind of introduced to him, putting a bunk beside him and said, we're going to keep him for like a while. And he's like, well, all right, fine, whatever. And they form this bond. And he, it's exactly the, the type of story that I want. He teaches the boy all the wrong things, yes. which is, you know, great. Um, and if... God's Honest Truth, if you made this into an hour and a half or maybe even a three-hour movie, I feel like I would really enjoy that movie. That's the desperation talking, Douglas. <laughs> You'd not enjoy that movie. <laughs> but that was my favorite segment. Um, the rest of this movie can go fuck off. I appreciate what he's trying to do, and he has clearly done it well. Just a little too well for my liking. Uh, I'm sorry for bringing this movie to the table. I will try and do better next time. <laughs> Damien, I have questions. Yes. I, right. I, I I sincerely want to know this because there was a part of me deep down inside because you and I know this, Damien. Mm-hmm. Douglas doesn't watch movies until the day before the podcast. Yes. Right? That is accurate. Um, it's been a while since our last podcast, so we've had time to like catch up with this. Mm-hmm. When you watch some of these movies, 
do you instinctively shut up to yourself and say, no, the rest of them have to suffer through this? Or how bad does it have to be for you to like raise your hand and say, don't do this to yourself, Douglas? <laughs> um, this one was just weird enough that I'm just like, listen, maybe, maybe Douglas will find something in this one. I know this one wasn't for you, Andrew. Um, there have been some, though, that I was just like, look, we cannot... <laughs> <laughs> there's there there's some that are, were so bad that i i didn't know what we were going to talk about once we started the po- like at least with this movie there's things to talk about we've seen movies where we're just like listen <laughs> i i don't know what this is um but you're right I usually watch these movies pretty early so going forward i think i'm going to I think I went to you give some warning shots for some of these movies. Like there was a part of my brain that after I, while I was watching this, because mm-hmm. it took me a while. Um, while I was watching this, just being like, "Look, Douglas, I know you had good intentions, mm-hmm. but honestly, this movie is not it? for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like beyond us saying good or bad, yeah. this movie is not our movie." Yeah. <laughs> um. And the weird part is I think to, I think back to like what I was saying about movies and what movies I was watching, say, a decade ago when we started this podcast. And right. I feel that I would have talked about this movie very much differently a decade ago yeah. than today, where I would have gotten into the nooks and crannies of what was going on in these stories and been like, oh, it's so great that like these these pieces of the world that we don't see are being shown in their ways ways right from and i mean obviously they're like caricature pieces like the witch doctor stuff like the 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 goat farmer like the painted burn scene which i mentioned in the in the in the sense of the of the bottle punting bit which honestly i think i'd vote that to be my favorite segment even though it is probably one of the most harshest segments in the movie just because I think most of that story I really liked because it was just this 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 weird nomad guy and uh, this this woman and they were just happy right the world fucked them right because all of this movie is about the world fucking you right um but for 90% of that segment it was just happy people right um, or at least that's what I'm trying to remember right now. Maybe I've forgotten the bad part, the re- the, the subtle bad parts. Um, but this movie is just depression after depression. So whenever you talk about like World War II movies where like um, Son of Saul or like even we could talk about that, that Italian movie. I don't remember which one of us brought it up. Um, oh, the- about the the one with the sisters, what was it called? Yeah, the yeah. one with the sisters, yeah. right? Yeah. And how it makes all of these depressing, nightmarish stories out of the Holocaust. And you can have a movie like this, which obviously there are Holocaust elements to it, but it's more on the fringes of the world around the war that we know so well about. Like, you're not going into a, a trench, uh, a, a battle trench, a battle trench. Um, you're not going into the trenches and seeing battles of people just body on top of body. You're seeing a whole different side of the war that we've seen in other movies. But the level of depression, like at some point I was wondering if this guy had like a bet with Gaspar Noe. Mm-hmm. 
where like he was he was like looking to see if he could get Gaspar to like cry. Right. Um, and if that's true, I want to know if you won the bet. Um, but yeah, this movie is rough. It's really fucking pretty. Um, and I appreciate, as I tend to like a lot of movies that do this, I appreciated the the visual way this movie is done. Where like, I'm, this movie is three hours. There's probably like 15 minutes of dialogue in this movie, right? Um, and I appreciated that throughout the whole of this movie, like everything was like cut and clear and you you got everything. Like the the acting is on point. Um, the only one I'd, I'd stand out and point to, which Douglas mentioned, um, but in the wrong way is Mr. Keitel. But I think that was more, that was more me um, putting on what I know of Harvey Keitel being like, what you doing in this movie, Harvey? <laughs> like like this is this feels to me like um like when robert de niro would show up in european movies and like mouth and like learn how to say words syllably syllabolically still i don't even know what word i'm trying to say um just by learning the syllables um and uh, he'd do all of his method acting and to and it seemed weird to me still just because like he stood out versus the rest of them as to how he does what he does. Um, not necessarily that what he's doing is bad. It just stands out to me, you know? Um, but yeah, this, this movie continues to remind us that anytime you want depression, go to Europe. They know exactly how to be sad. Uh, so I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, this movie won um, the... At the Venice International Film Festival, it won an award. The name of the award is Cinema for UNICEF. Fight for Children's Rights. It won that award, uh, which means someone at UNICEF needs to be fired immediately. <laughs> because uh, this is not a, ch- a movie that paints anything uh, like Andrew said it Douglas said it the movie is shot well and is acted fairly well Um, the problem is that for three hours the movie is like yo you know that war is hell right and you're like so I've heard and then he's like what if we get a child and put him in not just a bad situation, but every bad situation, except concentration camps. That is the one thing we won't do because you've seen that already. But just so you know, we can come up with worse situations. And then at the end of the movie, it's like, oh, this movie is based on a book. And I went, I knew that something was wrong with this movie. Someone took a book and went, I'm going to, instead of try and summarizing this book, down. Because a book you can read in chapters. You're like, well, this chapter was depressing. And then you close the book and then you go do other things. And then you come back. And you're like, I don't know why I keep doing this to myself, but let's keep going. And then you read another chapter and you're like, I'm never reading this book again. And you close the book. They didn't, realize that that is hope you can read a book they're like we can do this in movies 
and they just he went for it. So one thing you have to give him, he went for it. He's like, I'm putting every bad thing I can in a movie. I don't care how long it is. And I'm just going to release this movie. And it is not fair to the audience. There's there's no there's no flow to this movie. It is just a steady level of like constant numbing bad things. Like halfway through this movie, you weren't like even if you were sad about the things that were happening to him in the beginning. There's no way halfway through this movie you felt anything for this child anymore. Because you just understood that that is what this movie is. He's just going to go from bad thing to bad thing to bad thing. And then at some point, the movie was going to end. Like, by the time he got to um, the city and the, the priest gave him to whoever that gentleman was, and he tricked him and dropped him into a rat pit, you're just like, whatever movie, <laughs> let's just get, like, what do you have next for me? And it kept, like, they kept hitting him. They kept beating, like, and you're just like, all right. And the, the balls of this movie, to at the very end, be like, oh, his father found him. Having shown us one picture of his father 18 hours ago. And expect me to understand who this person is in relation to him is, I mean, that that took cojones. And at the very end, they're like, oh, his father was in a concentration camp, so he shouldn't be as harsh with his father. I'm like, whatever, like, movie, you need to, there has to be peaks and valleys, or else you're going to lose everybody anyone that tells you that they like this movie it is not the movie that they like <laughs> they like aspects of this movie but not the movie part um it is rare it is weirdly pornographic for a movie that is that should have been from the child's perspective but then every now and again there's those scenes that have nothing to do with him so the movie really isn't being told from his perspective and the scenes without him, like, give you some context for what is happening, but it is things that you'd have assumed even without it. So I don't, Douglas, have, I honestly have no idea how you found this movie or also why. <laughs> but I'm like, once. Once I accepted what this movie was and what it was going to be, uh, the my ability to be further disappointed in the movie disappeared. I knew an hour in that this is what this movie was going to be. I was hoping um, that there would be like escalation, but I wanted it to be fantastical. Like once they once they called him a vampire early on, there was a part of me that was like, "All right, maybe this movie has you know some supernatural elements," but of course it doesn't <laughs> because that would take um, imagination, 
and it would also take someone wanting to bring any kind of levity or any kind of humanity to this situation. But that is not what the director is trying to prove. It is he's dedicated himself to proving that war is hell and that hell is indeed other people. And he is just like, all right, find me a book that hammers home these two statements and I will direct this book. Um, I have very little knowledge of Czech society. Um, everything I know about the Czech Republic revolves 100% around football. <laughs> so I don't know if this is like some popular book over there. I don't know if this is just the general tone of uh, Czech films. No idea. But I don't need to know to accept that this movie is... This movie is a drain on your soul. Is what this movie is. It asks you to care about a boy being abused. But at no point gives you the chance to do so <laughs> which is uh, which is crazy um it this movie is uh like f way better than the world like butcher boy still stands alone in being a movie so bad both technically in terms of how it looks and how the acting is and how the story is nonsensical like butcher boy and maybe the room stands alone in a corner for being movies uh without like that are inescapable <laughs> they're just uh, terrible awful movies this is better than that i i mean i'd hope that this man would be given a another better story to tell because his directing um, seems to be on point. But, uh, boy, uh, when... It's, it's weird to be... Like, when the movie was over, I wasn't happy that the movie was over. I was just like... You know, I don't know how to describe the feeling. It is... All right. So, like, Andrew, you're playing Spelunky now, right? You know when you're... Like, you're going through a run and then you think you're getting better and then for some reason you have a run where you're, like, killed instantly and that is the run that you're just like, all right, I'm putting this down for today. You're not upset with the game. You Like, you just accept that you don't want to, you can't do this anymore <laughs> um that is what the end of this movie felt like it's like all right this is over i have to talk to these guys about it but boy boy movie um you guys i don't know i watching this movie i was afraid that this movie is how some people see the Lars von Trier movies. Because I could 
I could see that happening. This is very Von Trier-esque. Yeah, I was just like, is is this what like people who don't have our sensibilities would look at not just one like a lot of the movies that we watch and love especially like more me and douglas than andrew um sometimes andrew i mean andrew still watches terrence malik movies which is Mm -hmm. a thing i do not understand um i was like if i didn't know who or if i didn't develop these sensibilities um would i enjoy these those movies is it that I haven't seen enough of movies like The Painted Veil. Is this a genre movie that I'm unfamiliar with? Where there's just people who uh, make movies to be as sad as humanly possible. Not horror movies, just depressing movies. And maybe maybe that's it, but I, I don't know. And if this is indicative of those types of movies... If they actually exist, like horror movies, maybe I don't want to know. Maybe and, this and is not thing I want to indulge. Make a further argument that this is very Vantria like you mentioned it. Skellon is in this movie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is a firm <laughs> side. <laughs> Someone watched a lot of Vantria movies. There's just random scars guards in the movie <laughs> lurking around. Um, and I mean, there were there were some interesting scenes in the movie. There's that, and um, I always praise uh, any movie that you can pause at any moment, and it could instantly become a screensaver. Like every single frame in this entire drab, terrible movie is beautiful to look at. Um, uh, there's only. There's only one point in this entire movie that I was in full agreement. There's a point where he was told to get some water and was carrying the water. And he was like an inch away from where the water was to be set down and threw away the water. And the guy proceeded to beat him with a stick. That is my type of justice. (laughs) I accept that. I believe in it. Uh, this movie's trash. <laughs> it's a trash movie. Um, and uh, Douglas, I, I hate you. For this is three. This is a this is a a hard three hours. There's three hour movies we've discussed recently that are a, a breeze to get through. You ever feel the three hours? Um, the Lord of the Rings. At this point, every Tarantino movie except that Hollywood one. You, you just I have see- one quick question, Damien. Yes. If you had to choose which one to watch, mm-hmm. would you watch The Painted Bird again or mm-hmm. would you watch um, The Irishman? Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, boy. Because you have oh. to add an extra hour for The Irishman as well. Boy. Um, wow. Is there... Can I pick a secret... Uh, <laughs> secret upshot <laughs> just looking at a blank screen for four hours <laughs> can that be an upshot uh, neither one neither. I'm going to whatever the bet is 
I, I don't think I'd succeed. I do not want to see you know one these those movies ever again. Oh um, my god! I was like, maybe there's something in the because the Irishman d- does give you vibes of better movies. But then I like I remember the feeling going through that movie, and I was done. And then that movie just kept going for like another week and a half. So, <laughs> So I I feel I feel this I feel this I don't uh that's that's too hard that's too hard a question Andrew I I can't I can't so you say that Douglas so bad it's worse than Irishman yeah Douglas if you still haven't seen the Irishman do not no matter what write up you saw no matter what anyone said all of them were lying um any anyone that saw that movie and thought anything other than this is a colossal waste of talent time both theirs and mine netflix's money <laughs> anyone that thought it, like was looking it through the lens looking at it through the lens of nostalgia and they even then they would still have to lie to themselves to get to anything positive about it. like that movie is not good it is uh it it is a copy of a copy of a copy of a drunk person's uh, misremembered description of the third copy, and then someone copied that. Now it's the, it bears some resemblance to the thing that you like, but it's, it's not it's not it. Um, yeah, that's a good one, Andrew. That's, I like this. We, is is Irishman worse than the Painted Veil? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, Andrew. You stumped me this time. That's good. That's terrifying. <laughs> 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 and with that, let's move along. Yeah. Um, so wow. this week, um, I wanted us to start a new marathon. And it's something Damon and I have been talking about for a while. We might have mentioned it on a couple of podcasts. Um, we wanted to go through some of the early years of David Lean. David Lean, the man who brought us films such as As I Bring Them Up, because obviously I don't remember a thing in my <laughs> old age, um, such as Dr. Zhivago, The Bridge on the River Kwai, and Lawrence of Arabia made the biggest of biggest movies that continued yep. to get shown everywhere um, in the grandest of schemes. He made a lot of tiny movies at the beginning, which no one talks about. Or at the very least, maybe it's because those movies are so large that they can't help yeah. but talk about those as opposed, to these, yeah. as opposed to these smaller films. So I wanted us to go through some of these early works of David Lean. And we're going to start off this week with his 1942 war drama in which we serve. Why, Walter Hardy, whatever is the matter with you this morning? Anyone think he was going away forever? Proceed with the following operations as ordered. One, give us a kiss. Two, chuck us another mum sandwiches. Three, cheer up and remember this isn't a funeral, it's an honeymoon. And four, give us another kiss. Teddy, I wonder where we shall all be this time next year. So, the film came out in 1942, obviously in the midst of World War II, just like our other film. Um, And tells, as the movie itself says, the story of a ship. 
the movie is set on a British destroyer, HMS Torin, and we get to see the story of the ship from its construction to its destruction and how the men on the ship lived and their stories that led, led them to be on that ship and them having to leave the ship for those who survived. Um, the film is, the only way I can describe it is the the ultimate nostalgia rah-rah soldier film that would have come out at this time when you can imagine that the film industry was booming with movies to kind of tell people that the war we need to support our our troops basically. it's propaganda like right. that's, what, <laughs> that's exactly what it is yeah it's, it is propaganda <laughs> And it's weird whenever I catch one of these, because I've seen a few over the years, like going into filmmakers' early works. I think my favorite was um, when I was going into deep into Kurosawa and I found some of his early propaganda movies. Right. Um, so, you know, like it's always, always fun for me because it's strange where propaganda, you can always tell where it's coming from. But at the same time, it's always interesting to kind of try and see what little things he like. Basically pushed into the movie where they're like, yeah, we don't care about the characters. We just need to make sure that, like, right. it makes sure that people feel good about their their sailors and their ships yep. going out into the world. Um, and so, like, even something so how how lean was so meticulous about almost every shot in this movie that looks goddamn gorgeous. There's one that I think stood out the most to me there was this there was a scene where obviously there was a wedding guys getting married to the girl and the family's there and they eventually show you like the full family like standing for the photo but our introduction to the family isn't isn't that it's on the reverse it's us looking at the photographer but at the same time you can see in perfect focus the actual entire family in the lens reflecting and i really love that shot in this movie um but more to the point like maybe it's because it's a it's a film of its era of its time that i really liked most of what he did with like the story structure like it even though the movie itself like i feel is very cookie cutter in what it was doing thematically just the structure of it of going back and forth with the beginning of the ship the end of the ship and then the men basically surviving in the water and flashing back to their memories um i i thought it was really well done and it's based on a on a at the time very popular play written by noel coward who was a writer on a lot of david lean's early films um and he got co-director credit for this film um so yeah it's 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 up there um damien you've seen a few of lean's films by now where does this fall in for you how do you feel this this one is definitely towards the lower end. Um, uh, the there's some things about this movie that uh, really like it. It was it was off putting um, watching it because. Uh, uh, so uh, for for instance, because you basically wrapped up what the movie is about um the the lead actor right um which one uh noel 
uh, Sir Noel Pierce Coward. Um, he's the captain guy. I hear you, but I have to tell you, yes. I don't know that I'd call him the lead actor. Okay. Um, <laughs> they have, they do a lot of splitting yes. of time in this movie. Okay. So, Everyone's uh, the lead actor in their own stories. <laughs> the the one what got married. No, he was married from the get go. The one that got married is another character. Um, no, actually, right. two people got married in this movie. <laughs> All right, that's besides the point. Um, <laughs> the he's like he's definitely too old for the character that he's playing. Like he doesn't like everyone around him. He's like part of the young group or whatever. But everyone around him is clearly much younger than he is, and so that was off-putting. And then there's also an Obviously, I'm watching this in 2020, and uh, times have changed, and how we deal with things have changed. But the attitude towards women in mm-hmm. all of his movies um, is problematic. Oh, really? <laughs> it's, pro- it's problematic, definitely no. Okay. It was probably problematic then. <laughs> oh, you can kind of see it in this one. This one feels almost like. Um, like a soft touch. Yeah. Right? So it definitely puts the women in their place. Yes. But they enjoy it. So like it doesn't seem so bad. So, but yeah, it's definitely a bit um So there's the there's the BBC the BBC had this thing that they put out like way back in like the 80s. Um there's this sketch show and there's one sketch in particular where it was women know your limits. <laughs> and um, when I saw that in the 90s, it was hilarious because it reminded me of specific old movies. Mm-hmm. And now watching more of um, David Lean, you realize that if he didn't pioneer it, it was someone close to him that definitely pioneered this way of speaking that British, specifically British women had in these movies. And I cannot help but to smile and laugh because it is clearly someone is directing them to speak this way. And you watch... I, I mean, I haven't actually spent the time to look at this, but I have a feeling that it, it led... It crept into basically all of movies over time. Like this cadence that women were supposed to speak with. And it always makes me smile. Um, because it is so it's so bonkers. <laughs> it is uh it is fascinating that uh they did this uh, and for decades they did this. Um and like this movie doesn't suffer as like it is not the worst um culprit of all movie itis yeah but there is definitely some there's definitely a lot of old movie itis there's, there's a little bit the, there's, the way they transition into memories right. is kind of rough and they they don't 
piece there, things together right as well so as there's the some i appreciate yeah. oh i love i love seeing that water transition right. <laughs> like <laughs> and, and there's always a point where you know they're ending it where it like yeah. hard cuts and yeah. I, I think it's hilarious so, so the the water transition i got over quickly because i i and it the movie is in 1942 <laughs> like there's only so much you can do and no more um and I do appreciate that old movies didn't hold your hand through everything. They'd just be like, this is the information you need now. And then we cut and we jump you ahead. And if you cannot work out the in-between times, we cannot help you. <laughs> and it is a thing modern movies fail at a lot. They think that you need to show every little thing and all but movies you, you think this movie had that because that is something that i actually didn't really feel um this movie had I, I think the the only thing that i would say is that there were certain times when you kind of had to think where who am i with but that's the only thing. It wasn't like it had jumped and you had to figure out what happened in the middle. So, right. So that so it's not that you had to figure out. So they in the start they were building the boat, right? And you see a couple of clips of them making the boat. And then you see the bottle smash and then they set off. And there's no lead up in between between them setting off and getting to the war the next time they're on the boat they are being attacked and so you just accept. i mean i mean the movie does start with a large audio scene this is a movie about a ship right <laughs> but that is right so that is part of the old movie itis that is a negative but the positive is you don't spend 15 minutes on them sailing and getting to know these guys while they're on the boat. They don't care about any of that. <laughs> they're just like, listen, the next time you see these guys on this boat, they're going to be under attack. We're not showing you. We don't have time to waste film on B-roll. <laughs> these guys are under attack. And, move, and then they cut and he meets the girl at this train station. They cut. They get married. They cut. He's on his honeymoon trip, and that's like that is the cadence that they keep. And I appreciate some of that. But this movie is def it it falls so heavily in the propaganda bucket that there's nothing special about this. Like this movie feels like it was commissioned by the government to to distract people during the war. It's like, listen, remind them that there's a war, but let everyone be on board for why we're fighting this war. We have to win, and sacrifices have to be made. And there's a whole speech at the end of the movie just to reinforce. It was like, listen, <laughs> we do this thing, and we will keep doing this thing because the Lord, as my witness, will win this war. And it doesn't matter how many young people's lives are like. They just they did the thing, and you're just like, boy, this is not. Um, this isn't great, <laughs> but uh, I. It's not. It's not a bad movie. Like it's. It is a watchable movie. It is. 
especially by our standards, is this cookie cutter. It is a war film where they have definitely picked a side. There's no nuance into what is happening. Uh, these guys have to fight because they're on the right side and they have to win. And the lead guy comes home to his family because that is what movies are. You need a happy ending. Um, and the woman is, the women are there waiting. Well, I would um, argue the ending to this movie isn't particularly happy. No, I mean, people, that part of the propaganda is to right. explain right. that should, people have to die in war. Yeah. It's a war. Yeah. S- someone's going to die. But the guy gave his rah-rah speech at the end. He'd be proud to go back out on the ships and have guns drop bombs on him. <laughs> <laughs> Forever, because we have to win this war. It is a war for reality. Who knows? Who knows? Weirdly enough, watching this movie, the one thing that came to mind, and it's not necessarily that there's anything specific that that made it come up, but in my mind, I'm like, I bet you Nolan watched this like 20 times before making Dunkirk. Yeah, right? actually mentioned Dunkirk. They say some folks from Dunkirk in this movie, eh? Yeah. I didn't remember the Dunkirk mention, but yeah, like everything about it kind of made me think about Dunkirk. Um, it might just be the boat. It might just be the Britishness. It's, it might just be the war. You know, I just named three things that specifically link yep. it to Dunkirk. Yep. Britishness <laughs> and war. You did it, Andrew. You should write reviews. <laughs> G-man um, reviews, you could call it. <laughs> I might, I might get that domain. You never know. What, yeah. You never know when you'll need yeah. a domain, right? Yeah, and if you say it on a podcast, you yeah. have to buy it because yeah. someone will hear and buy the domain from you. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. So I have to buy it now, Damien. Thank yep. you. That's like an extra twenty dollars to spend. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's 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 what happened. This movie is, I think, I think this movie is one of those movies where, like, as you go through the filmography, you're like. Well, you know, it happened, right? It's nothing that you like. It's nothing that like you jump for joy with. Like, oh, I can't wait to watch that on 4K. <laughs> Listen, yeah. this movie um, was made in 1942. Exactly. We didn't have you, phones. I was, <laughs> I was immediately impressed with this movie when. Do you remember? And this has nothing to do with the film. When it begins. Just like all movies, they show a fancy logo for their producers. Right. And there was this thing, it was British Lion Films was the, the, mm-hmm. the company behind this one. And there was kind of like this curvature to the text and it curved around something. And I was like, damn, they probably spent a lot of money doing that graphic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, so... You guys have mentioned a lot of the, the salient points. This movie is nothing more than a propagandist uh, uh, pile of... Just to read something quickly. Yeah. It says, this film is dedicated to the Royal Navy, whereon, under the good providence of God, the wealth, safety, and strength of the kingdom chiefly depend that is a slide at the start of the movie. I, I remember reading that. I remember seeing it. Like, so this is very much right? a, a, a propaganda film. Yeah. And the weird thing is, so I have a couple of notes. And my last note is, 
propaganda, but the teams played hard because, and I think once I, I kind of clearly from the beginning, it's it's said this is propaganda, but I guess because we are not of the time where it is so overt, at least not in the movies that we watch, that. I still assumed, I was like, yeah, but it's going to be a movie, right? Right. But once after maybe 10, 20 minutes, I realized, oh, no, this is just. <laughs> yeah. This is, yeah, this is not um, a movie. movie. <laughs> when, when you get past that, you kind of you accept it. Right. You kind of throw it to the side. And then you say, okay, is there anything else I'm going to enjoy in this movie? And to be honest, I didn't mind this movie at all, right? It's fine. Uh, it's fine. Um, and a couple of things. I'm, I'm going to go through the first notes that I had because at first when I was like, is this a propaganda movie? I started to watch it and think, you know what? The only way I can like this movie is to just make jokes out of it. So, and boy, did this movie allow itself to be made fun of. Um, I was dying sometime very early in the movie. There are a couple of Brits in, I think they're on the boat. Uh, yes, it's while they're shooting down some some boats, some enemy boats, and they're trying to figure out, are these Germans or are these Italians? Because, you know, you can't hear them talk, you can't see the telltale signs, whatever it is. But, um, and I really appreciated the dialogue, how they spoke about it, and how they, you know, they were essentially talking about you know, trying to figure out are they Germans or are they Italians, the way that Damien, you and I would speak about Germans and Italians playing football. You know, they were they were essentially saying things like, yes, yes, yes. I mean, these have to be Germans because they're actually putting up a fight. And, you know, the last time we had a war, those Italians, they just fucking, they dove all over the field. Right? Oh. You know, that kind of shit. And I was dying. So, so you took that the way I assume you are supposed to, I took that and went, I now realize just how influential football is <laughs> on how I think about the world. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a bad thing to do. Stereotyping about how people play football and what British commentary has said about football in that time, it's probably it's probably led me down that dark path. Because oh I heard that and I was just like, oh, this started way before I was <laughs> I thought <laughs> that this was new, but nope. <laughs> oh, but Damien, it yeah. would get worse. Uh, yeah. So... There is a point at which, and it happens very early in the movie, but because it moves back and forth, you're all over the place. But very early in the movie, their ship gets shipwrecked. Uh And it turns over, and everybody has to go into the sea. And there is a scene where you see the captain swimming. He is underwater and trying to get to the surface somehow, probably navigating some boat parts, whatever it is. And um, (laughs) I just... I couldn't stop laughing because while he's underwater swimming, instead of swimming like a regular person with both arms flailing, he has one hand covering his nose and his mouth. And in my mind, 
I could I, I knew that what he was thinking was was something along the the um the realms of oh no 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 we can't have this immigrant water going up my <laughs> only homegrown British water uh, for me long oh, I hate me. you so much uh, <laughs> Cheerio uh, Douglas I would like you to do a commentary on all old timey British propaganda <laughs> I need your audio commentary <laughs> That is beautiful. Immigrant water. Oh, thank you, Douglas. <laughs> oh, but the, the thing about this movie, and I'm glad that you brought up the point on how women were portrayed, uh, because I think it was a broader uh portrayal of let's call it xenophobia in in this movie um that was really what i more picked up on Mm -hmm. but you're absolutely right um (laughs) boy um and that so it's sad but it's also because it plays into the very many jokes that you and I make about how horrible, um, I'll use the word British, but it's really mm-hmm. almost everybody in the world. Yes. <laughs> um, in particular, <laughs> first worlders who live in countries um, formed through genocide. Yep. Um, but, you know, it, it feeds into the jokes of, oh, stiff up a, stiff, stiff up a lip, lip, lip yep. up, man. And, <laughs> And, you know, all of that shit that I was actually kind of laughing along with it. It was what I will say is that the reason I kind of enjoyed this movie and it's weird. I start saying I enjoy it and then just we're harping on all of these horrible things that that are always below the surface for for, for these films, especially of this time. Um, But why I enjoyed it was if you look at this movie, right? It really is just a couple cuts away from being a run-of-the-mill, almost romantic movie, romantic romping comedy of people who just happen to be sailors. And I enjoy the cadence that everybody uses when they speak. I enjoy being able to make fun of them because they speak in a funny manner. And um, the the dialogue is one that that it leans on that heavily right it even in the most serious times in this movie the director and the writer make sure that the characters say or make these observations mm-hmm. in uh what i would at least view in a somewhat comedic manner, a a way that is, you know, actually quite British, you know, the, the, the under, um, underselling of the, the gravity of every situation. Yeah. Um, and there is a lot that I liked about just going back in time through the memories of these people, um, you know, meeting, first loves or, or true loves or whatever you want to call it and and stuff like that so i really did enjoy turning off the headset turning off 
my mind and just being there with those people, especially when they were at home and not out at sea. And I did kind of like the irony that that was put in here, which was you always worry. And every war movie does this, where you have to have a character at home because mm-hmm. it's that character at home that they try to use to, to, to portray the gravity of what the people that have gone out to war, right. um, that situation, and to, to show that that person is laying in wait and um, every minute of every day hoping that this person that has left them will come back. And I did like the irony that they put in there where it was one of the characters actually had the opposite situation happen where as you say you kind of feel to yourself oh my god please come back home and you know kiss your wife when actually the wife at home died and it wasn't even like oh i died from cancer i died Mm -hmm. from the cold the spanish flu whatever it was they died from bombings um due to the war and that i I did appreciate what they were trying to do there. Um, right. I, I think there are there's quite a bit of good to talk about this movie. There's quite a bit of bad, um, both comedic bad and and somewhat sinister bad in this yes. movie. But yes. all told, I I didn't mind this this film. I it was an easy watch. So speaking of sinister bads. Um, <laughs> There's this, there's, there's a thing that I have, I used to have um, problems grappling with. Um, it was, as most of my worldview was, it was born, it was shown in football. Uh, when they'd speak to um, the managers, um, the managers would speak in one cadence. And then they'd speak to some footballers and it would sound completely different. Yeah, man. There's a posh accent and then right. there's the, the working class accent. And yes, then, very much so. <laughs> and then it took a couple of years to get movies out of Britain that didn't have uh, posh sensibilities, basically. I remember when Attack the Block came out. Uh, the first time I watched that movie, I had trouble following what they were saying in that movie. That's because you didn't watch all of my police shows. That is true. Come on. But <laughs> I, like, over the years, like, Top Boy, as, and as Douglas said, his 19 trillion police shows. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love Top Boy. I need to... I need to go back over those shows so I can watch a Netflix one. I still don't watch a Netflix one. That you're a weird person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I I remember seeing um, there's I remember seeing footage of some um, like 1980s football match, right? Like an FA Cup match where someone who wasn't supposed to win won, and there's people losing their minds. And in the interview, they didn't sound like the match of the day people. And I went, oh, so this has been going on for years. They have been training people who, like, all British presenters 
and of course, I found out later that they actually did this. All BBC presenters were trained to speak in a certain cadence because they wanted everyone everywhere to understand them was the reasoning behind it. I'm sure there were more sinister reasons, <laughs> but that is fine. But a lot of the way regular British people speak, they spoke back then. <laughs> like, this isn't new. It was, it's not like it is new British slang. They sounded like this forever. And just none of the media portrayed that. And I, I still find that fascinating to this day. That, oh yeah, all of this. Everything I, I saw as a child and accepted as a child, a lot of it is fake. Like, finding out that the best Western movies weren't done by Americans or even in America. <laughs> Just like, that's impossible. Sergio Leone, and they're like, oh no, Sergio Leone is not an American name. <laughs> Wait a second. And they're so like, Damon, hey. you talk about the British voices? Yeah. Douglas, you know our cousin Jason? Yeah. For the longest time, I mean, we all know we all know this now that like the British accent has many variances. Yes. Right? But Jason's voice, I feel like I hadn't heard a lot of people with the accent that Jason has. Um over well, before the world ended. Mm -hmm. Um and Fast and the Furious was a movie that was going to come out this year. Um someone I did a podcast with um Two people from England, um, Simon Collum and Wesley. I've I'm trying to remember his last name. Um, Wesley Chambers. Um, the 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 title of the podcast is Fast Furious and a Bottle of Corona. They were they were literally going through all of the Fast and the Furious movies to lead up to the latest one that would have come out this summer. Um, I talked about Fast and the Furious 2, Too Fast, Too Furious, the only Fast and Furious movie you're going to talk about in our podcast because you have to drink more Corona than that mm -hmm. movie offers you in order to make sense of it. Um, but Facts. on that podcast was the first time I think I'd heard someone that sounded exactly like Jason. And it, somehow it felt good to me <laughs> to hear another person <laughs> that sounded like him. <laughs> oh, yeah. People do talk like this. It's weird. Um... Because, you know, when you hear one person, you're like, that's weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially when you know his history, right? So our cousin born and grew in Jamaica and then went to England and took on the accent. So, Immediately. Yep. So, <laughs> so you, I suppose Andrew was probably thinking in his, in his head, that's just a made-up accent, isn't it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it probably was. Uh <laughs> but it's like Gillian Anderson. The reason Andrew Gillian Anderson is able to do a British accent so well is she's like Jason. Yes, she's American, but she lived most of her childhood life in the UK. So she put on that accent whenever she went out, and now it's second nature to her. Also, it's her job to do it, so she should probably do it well. Well, no, come on, <laughs> How many Americans you know can have an accent other than Yeah, American? because they're terrible actors. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. They're bad at it. I would have you say this about Vin Diesel. Vin There's Diesel a reason British actor. actors 
are not used to do he's everything. A great actor, but he's also a great house music artist. Yeah. Do you know that he just put out some, an album? I, I see it last week tonight <laughs> for that reason. I heard that. I was like, I'm turning this off. Was it an album? I thought it was just one song. Oh, no. There is an album. <laughs> answer is no. Uh, we all need new hobbies during this quarantine. <laughs> no, I have video games. I movies. I'm straight. <laughs> uh, and sports. Oh, oh so sports. much sports. Sports. Oh, thank the Lord. Oh, Sierra's a total garbage fire. But boys, sports have been fun. Oh. Uh, should we have people stay away from their families to entertain me? Probably not. But we're paying them millions of dollars. And that's what the money's for. <laughs> Prior years, I didn't care so much. This year, I definitely care. You're going to get all of that money. This year is the first year I feel like my money is going towards something. <laughs> I am paying you <laughs> to play sports. I don't want to hear this. Is this the year where, like, you buy extra jerseys so that you can support it? Andrew, uh, if I'm being honest, every year prior to this year, when I was spending money to for sports, it was just for my convenience. I didn't feel a one-to-one. Like, when people... The thing that especially terrible people say, which who is like, I'm paying you to do this. I wasn't there. But this year, <laughs> this year I needed sports. And since there's no fans, I know my money is going to us. I know my money is going directly to them. And so I, I, if I'm spending this money, I'm going to need you guys <laughs> to play some sports. And the sports have been good, except Formula One, but that's neither here nor That's not, that I've known for doing this year. Uh, so but yeah. anyways, did I just derail the David Lean conversation? Probably. I probably uh, did. We're going to speak more about David Lean. Unlike the previous marathons that we did, he actually makes good films. <laughs> uh, watchable <laughs> films. Some are enjoyable. Some are... Like, his worst movie uh, that I've seen is an average movie. Like, it's a little worse than this one, but it's not, it's not where I have to look at Andrew and vow to kill him when I see him. Like, we're not there. Um, he... Although I hear that some of his latter movies are that. I haven't gotten there yet. I've heard that his last movie was awful. Yeah. Like, it was so bad it stopped him making movies, basically. Yeah. Yeah. But I've never seen it. Right. So. I'm going to get there, but I haven't gotten there yet. Um, but yeah. Uh, listen, this movie... I like this movie for the same reason I liked um, American Sniper. Because I enjoy watching different versions of propaganda movies. Whether the director thinks so... Like, this one is definitely... Clint Eastwood doesn't know that he's making propaganda films. But that is exactly what that man is making. And I... People don't just make those anymore. There's no real call for people to make those movies. And so when you, whenever I see them, I'm like, oh yeah, that's what these movies are. And I find them fascinating. Uh, Mark Wahlberg made one. Um, Isn't that all Wahlberg does? I mean, yeah, but I'm trying to remember the name. It's like 13 blocks or some, some distance. I don't even know what the hell the movie is. 
and I'm not going to look it up. You shouldn't watch any Mark Wahlberg movies. He's been trash his entire career. Hey, I would give hey, up Trace hey, Buster Buster. Hey. I am here to tell you, I'll give up Trace Buster Buster to erase Mark Wahlberg from humanity. Uh, and the departed. I'm giving up those two. Them strong words. Um, I accept I, that. I'm not willing to give up departed. I'm just saying it. No, I'm willing to take the bad. It's a sad thing. When I respond to that, it's not the departed that I'm not of willing course, to Of course, it's Trace Buster you're not willing to give Douglas, I am with, more with you than with Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing to give up the, the hall of them. Because <laughs> he's trash. He's such trash. But when you see these movies, you're like, oh yeah, people still, like America has fallen or whatever that series is. London has I love those movies. Yes, Douglas, you don't often get to see a movie that is that... Bl- like, there should just be an American flag in the side of every frame, just waving in wind that isn't oh, there. You mean like White House Down? Yeah. yeah. But at I'm least so what- upset that that one didn't get... Like, the, the Douglas, version of that movie got two sequels but Douglas, that one. White House Down is obvious satire. <laughs> um, yep. The Eagle Has Fallen movies, they think they're making oh, real yeah. movies. Oh, yeah, and that is what, <laughs> those are the ones that I watch and I'm just like, wow. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, uh, it's, I, I don't mind this movie. It is uh, inoffensive. It didn't, it's, I think it's two hours. It doesn't feel like two hours. This is a soft two hours, um, which is always a good sign for movies. So, yeah, um, I'm looking forward to the rest of this uh, marathon. I've deliberately not seen any of the movies Andrew put on the marathon list. I'm not watching them ahead of time. I keep doing that and then hating myself because after, especially in the previous iterations where the movies were bad, <laughs> I'd forget everything about the movies and then I have to go back and look at those movies again, <laughs> which then just felt like punishment. I made me hate the movies even more than on first viewing, which is not how we should be watching this. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yes, the, don't punish movies for your ability to manage time. I mean, you're, you're probably right about that. Um, yeah. So, cool. uh, don't watch a painted bird. The painted bird? <laughs> the, the painted pa- bird. Painted bird. Who cares? <laughs> Sorry, let me start this off. I have a, I have a couple of things I want to talk about. Don't I don't I don't think I even ever actually watched that movie. Yeah, watched My only memory of that movie Ed was, was in that movie. Yeah, nice. he is. There was a trailer for that movie on one of my DVDs that I'd see every time I put it in before I ripped all my DVDs. You know when you used to put in DVDs yeah. and they would play trailers oh, for you. Boy. I remember I remember I used to actually like it. For what I what I used to like about it was like the time capsuleness of it. Yeah. Of like you put in a DVD you bought in two thousand eight, and like you see a trailer for Knocked Up, and right? Like, and you're like, yeah. oh, I remember that movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't miss DVDs or Blu-rays or I don't miss any of them. I'm not. <laughs> I the I cannot tell you the last time I actually watched a movie off the me like when i buy them they go immediately <laughs> into the computer <laughs> they have never seen i even forgot that my playstation played blu-rays that is how bad it got at one point <laughs> i didn't remember that that could do it 
I immediately rip those movies and move on with my life. Um, but anyways, yes, I'm going sure. on to talk about what I've been watching. Right, you watch movies. Um, I watched a few movies. Um, so let's start with the really bad stuff. Um, I watched The Way Back. Aww. Right. <laughs> Look, it's directed by Gavin O'Connor, the man who gave us one of Douglas's favorite movies, Wario. Oh, really? As well as well as the accountant, what I like to call like Batman versus the Punisher. So here's the way back. Ben Affleck and Gavin O'Connor again, except yeah. it's drinking and basketball. But and Andrew, Andrew saw the trailers. <laughs> I know I did. Oh my god. I did say I'd start with a really that. bad, right? Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you actually watched that. You're um crazy person. Movie's not great. The movie's oh. just like the worst part about it is that the movie isn't really a, an an actively bad movie. It's just one of those movies where like, yeah, they did that and then you're done. And then you move on with your life. So it's like an empty vacuum that you walk into and then you're like why did I do this? So it's like that Sean Penn movie. What was it called? The Architect or something like that? I don't know. What the hell is The Architect? I don't know. Some movie that I, I just hated because it wasted my time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you kind of watch this movie and you're like, that's what that guy would be like if he was the character that Ben Affleck played in in um, Good Will Hunting but grew older and then got got even worse. Um, but yeah, movie's bad. Um, moving along, um, the movie that we are only allowed to call Delusions from now on. Delusions! Delusions! I still haven't watched that movie yet, but it's on my list. The devil, the devil all the, all time. the time. I really um, want to watch that movie. I didn't like this movie. Oh no! Yeah, it, it looks like it's going to be bad. It looks like they, the trailer makers had a job. And they saw Pattinson and said, Delusions! And we're like, I've got a trailer. <laughs> um, this is one of those movies that you watch it and you're like, the book was better, wasn't it? <laughs> Where they could like space out all the things and do all of the stuff they wanted. This movie is not that great. It's just kind of like, yeah, there's a ch- there are children who have a shitty childhood and one of them knows how to beat the fuck out of people. And then he lives in a shitty town where shitty things happen. And eventually all of these pieces come together, but nothing really makes sense. Well, I mean, I guess it makes sense, but it's not really... Like, at some point, you're just like, when are they going to get to the end? When are the final puzzle pieces going to come together and they get to the end? Um, But yeah, the movie wasn't for me. It's not great. Sure, Pattinson does the best he can, and there are all the delusions jokes that you can make. Um, but he's only in the movie for maybe a half an hour, I think. Yeah, that was clear as well. Anybody <laughs> with that kind of of just bombast is never in your movie for more than two scenes. <laughs> Who I was actually surprised in this movie um, for how much I liked him was Sebastian Stan. Really? Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, he plays like the local sheriff dude, um, and. He's like a little corrupt, and at the same time, his sister is like a prostitute-ish. And I liked his character; like he was, he was fun. Um, but yeah, mo- for the most part, this movie is whatever. Um, so 
I, I mean, you get to make lots of superhero jokes as this movie has Spider-Man, Batman, and the Winter Soldier. So, you know, there's that. But whatever. Um, and then for the rest of the podcast, I'm just going to talk about the Toronto Film Festival, <laughs> which, which, which uh, happened over since our last podcast and like most festivals ha- still happening in 2020 was completely virtual so i sat on my couch and i watched not that many movies because i didn't have that not much time. allowed to put any of these movies in the top 10 <laughs> i learned my fucking lesson with that burning movie yep <laughs> this year we'll stand steadfast douglas <laughs> So I only have three movies to talk about. Um, and looking on it from the outset, I don't think I'd put any of these in the top 10. So oh, wow. you're safe. Um, so to talk about the one that I like the least, um, there is a new Chloe Zhao film. Um, the girl who made The Writer, she has released her latest film by the name of Nomadland, starring Frances McDormand, about a lady who she lived in like a... In the, in a, in a I don't think they actually say what town it is, but it's the equivalent of like a factory town and then the town kind of died. And so she's gotten in her van and just been a nomad for the rest of their of time. And you're just following her along as she's a nomad going around America, going from city to city, stopping off in camps, having friends. And the movie continues. Um, this movie got a lot of praise. It it won the People's Choice Award. It's basically the front runner for the Oscars to come. And I don't think I really like this movie that much. <laughs> <laughs> and more to the point, um, while Damon and I have said very glowing things about The Rider, I don't know if Douglas has even watched it yet. No, I still um, haven't, but it's on my list. This movie upset me um, because it felt like this was Damon mocking me. <laughs> because this woman went and she basically made a Terrence Malick movie. Aha! Right? But you get... And then, <laughs> and then I don't like it. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's gorgeously shot. There's lots of good moments in here. David Strathane is in this movie and he, he just kind of pops up as like a guy and I like him. Um, but this movie, like... It goes on like there was a point as it went on where I'm like, this would be a good ending point. Like you get to like leave on that shot and it's wonderful. And you kind of have like the moment where she chooses to continue being a nomad and the movie continues for like another 20 or 30 minutes. And I'm just like, why movie? Why? Um, so, yeah, it's it wasn't a good time. Um, I understand a lot of people love it. And, you know, there's that. But it's like, this is a movie I swear to God, I'm never going to watch again. Like, you couldn't trick me. Damien, you couldn't pick You couldn't pick this movie six months from now when it's on streaming and say, we have to talk about the new movie from the lady that made the writer. And I just, I just, I just come to the podcast. I'm like, I saw it six months ago. I'm good. <laughs> nice try. Still no. <laughs> Um, the next movie I want to talk about is the latest film from Thomas Winterberg. Oh, no. Starring one Mr. Mads Mikkelsen by the name of Another Round. Oh, do you guys know what this movie is? I do know what this movie is, and yes. I really want to watch it. 
But isn't Vinterberg the guy that did three and all of that shitty movies? No, 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 no. You're talking about a different Thomas. Thomas Vinterberg is the I'm guy thinking, who made The Hunt. Michael. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy who made The Hunt is Thomas Vinterberg. Yeah, I'm really, I really want to watch this movie. This movie looks like just dumb enough and perhaps just <laughs> serious enough for me to enjoy on both um, sides of the coin. <laughs> this movie is kind of that movie. My issue is I feel it doesn't fully commit ah, to its own ridiculousness. Okay. Um, this, for those of you who don't know, this movie is a story about a school teacher who is played by Mads Mikkelsen, who he and his friends all get together and they start talking about some crack scientist who has this hypothesis that man was born with a negative blood alcohol content level. Yeah, and therefore. And therefore, to fully function as a man, you must like always drink, right? Like like the equivalent of like two beers, like Mm -hmm. be that tipsy forever. And they therefore want to do a scientific experiment um, where they each do this and they study each other and they document and so on and so forth. And obviously, and obviously, as this movie continues, the experiments get more and more insane. Right, they don't just stop at like one drink level of drunkness. They like go like, what if like we went full on? What if we decided our own levels? Because you know everybody's different kind of stuff. Um, and the movie, like to its to its benefit, Mads Mikkelsen is fantastic, and all of the cast are fantastic. Like they all have their own fun shenanigans to them, and I love them. The problem is that this movie is probably twenty minutes too long. Where like as you see this movie cranking up in in experimentation, if you want to use that word, like it feels like it stays on each level just a little too long. If like you, you feel like the movie made its point at each level and you're like, you could have moved on to the next one. I didn't need to sit around in this um, to see what happened with the family. Like you kind of already know what's going to happen here or what happens with the jobs or stuff that goes on. But as this movie kind of drags you through it and you start to feel like, oh, I wish it was a little shorter, the movie hands you a gem of an ending. And I will not spoil it for Douglas because he, it'll be his favorite movie when he sees the end of this movie. <laughs> oh, like okay. everything I've just said, he'll admit to. And he'll be like, fuck it, the ending of this movie is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, this movie, this movie is, is, was, a, was a fun watch, but at the same time, you know, I'm not going to talk about it at the end of the year. I mean, but then again, it's 2020. Who knows what other movies there are to talk about? Um, so the last movie I'm going to talk about, which out of all of the movies I saw from the, from the Toronto Film Festival, was probably the biggest movie to make me miss going to the theaters because it was a Midnight Madness movie right and douglas you've been there you know how much the crowd effect gives you to the ridiculousness of the midnight movies um so the name of this movie is called get the hell out it's a taiwanese film directed by ai fan wang i'm sure i'm ruining the name as usual but you know um (laughs) um this movie and so this is something i did not know about before i watched this movie um i actually looked up videos after because i had to see this this movie is set in Taiwanese parliament. Um, and they are famous right now for having fights in parliament. Yep. Yeah. Seeing the videos. Yeah. Um, Looks bad and, hands. <laughs> and 
to me, it's one thing like if you had just fist fights where people were doing, but they have fights where people are like, throwing water at each other mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it's insanity. So this movie is set in the Taiwanese parliament and the characters we're focusing on are, mil- are members of parliament and people working in the, in the building of parliament. And it's about a zombie apocalypse breaking out in the parliamentary building and basically these people fighting to get out while at the same time trying to stop a vote for the destruction of a certain land in in the country. And this movie is ridiculous. Parts of it feel like a Power Rangers movie where like you're hearing all of the swishes of the arms as they're fighting each other. There are other parts that feel like feel almost like a train to Busan Korean um, zombie movie where people get the virus in the weirdest of ways. And it also reminded me of the movie I talked about um, from the Fantasia Film Festival, the special actors film, because of just, and I mean, obviously they're close in region, Taiwan and, um, and Japan. So like they probably have a few sensibilities in media itself but just the way that actors like deal with their action sequences and how the ridiculousness of how they develop things um this movie is incredibly dumb and in and incredibly fun and at the same time i missed movie theaters watching this movie Ooh. it's kind of it's the kind of movie like you want like a full crowd of just people laughing at how ridiculous this movie is. I'll not be watching any movies you can't trick. <laughs> Damien, think about Hosu in a full room. No. I've Wouldn't cared. you want that? Yeah, if I didn't <laughs> live in Jamaica, I would. Yeah, and that's but a thing can't trick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Think about Fast and the Furious. Think about Fast and the Furious without a full crowd. I love them. Ah, like i've kind of said to myself i'm not sure if i really want to go back to tiff again but i would do those midnight madness screenings <laughs> what you said just come around like the end of the festival and catch the last midnight movie and then like you go off and you do other things <laughs> oh, oh no if like i could seriously see myself doing every midnight madness movie and just not caring about the rest of the festival. <laughs> Wake up at two o'clock and then go to like Niagara or do something else. Yeah, right. There's stuff to do in Toronto in the day. <laughs> no, there isn't. Um, <laughs> even back go then, after. even after. back then, there wasn't anything to do in, t- at, in Toronto in the daytime. But you're going to do Scotia Bank Arena and look at what now? Who are their team? What do they play? Anyway. Basketball doesn't happen in September, does it? Damn right. Not for your team. <laughs> oh, I hate you. Um, <laughs> you guys are still so, champs. <laughs> for, for like what? Another two weeks? Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Longest champs in the world. Um, that's kind of all the movies I've been watching. Um, I have been watching the TV series Ratchet, and it's not good. It looks very pretty. That's about it. I like I the cast. I've been thinking to watch it. Yeah, I like the cast though. But I have not um, watched the original movie. So I was going to watch One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest first and then watch a show. Well, I mean, it's a prequel story. So, you know, know, you can. It doesn't really matter. It's, it's really just giving me a reason to because, for a, I mean, that's supposed to be one of the greatest movies ever. And for a long time, I've been like, I should watch that movie, but I haven't. So it's, you know, 
let me do the Michael Jordan myself into watching this movie, okay? Sure. I don't need a real reason to watch this movie, but I can make one up. <laughs> Anything you say, boss man. <laughs> you took that shit personally, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> you heard um... what they said? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. I can't, I can't think of anything else to really talk about on this podcast. So that's those are the movies I've been watching. Douglas, yeah, I'll go. I don't have a lot to to talk about anyway, so that's great. Um, a couple of things. I will start on the movie front because and. I apologize, everyone. There's this thing called sports. It has changed my life. I do nothing else other than watch sports now, especially right. because I figured out how to get everything I want. Oh, Damien, La Liga was the last piece to the puzzle. very expensive, but very convoluted, very, very stupid puzzle. <laughs> very um, <laughs> needed puzzle. Uh, but okay. So. I have been watching a lot of shit movies. Um, one of the shit movies I'll talk about very quickly is Death Proof. I watched the longer version of Death Proof the other day. I forget how much I love that movie to death. I need to apologize to Andrew because for a long time, I would say that I really loved uh, the other one. Always look up um, more than I love this in terms of the the grading of the Grindhouse films, but oh, Death Proof, fantastic. Um, watch Face Off, love that movie. And I recently bought Children of Men and watched it again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been too long. But anyway, uh, new movies that I've watched. Um, I've watched Lady Sherlock in Nola Holmes. Is it and good? It is. Is it Netflix good? It's great. I know this is a shitty question to ask about a movie in which its named character is starring Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah. But how much Henry Cavill do I get? Not (laughs) not much, but just enough for you to enjoy that he's there. Um, I will say this. I know that is racist. Here is here is why Netflix. What Netflix did with this movie is it short circuited its movie problem. Netflix didn't make a movie. Netflix made a really long pilot to a shitty television show that I want to watch. Ah. Right? They even end it in a way where they're like, well, see you next time. Um, I hope that that's actually the plan. I hope that this movie is going to be followed by, and as far as I'm concerned, your two main stars... Millie Bobby Brown and Henry Cavill are already on Netflix contracts, guys. Yep. I'm sure there is some perpetuity clause that will allow you to just tell them to do this television All show. right, The Witcher show. Yeah, Shit. The Witcher yep. show. So they need to create a show. And I can live with that show being like the other Sherlock show where it's just three movies every two years. I can live with that. I would prefer a regular Netflix show where it's 10 episodes every year, but I understand, right? Um, But I really want more of this. Now, Damien, this is a movie that you and I can probably get behind. Mm -hmm. Um, It is not good, 
person. I mean, I saw the trailer. It should <laughs> yeah. look good. That's why I asked if it's Netflix good. Yeah, it's Netflix good. <laughs> All right. Damien, she breaks the fourth wall every five minutes, maybe. But she's so charming. And Henry That's Cavill, cool. in the scenes that he is in, is so... he. There's a bit of scenery being chewed. Um, this movie is great. It's a dumb movie about child lady Sherlock Holmes. I love it. Uh, you guys need to watch the show. I think even Andrew might like the show. This, I want to watch see, it. I'm, I'm talking about it as it's a show. It's a movie. I apologize, Netflix. You made a good movie. Good for you. <laughs> Look, I've, I fell into a Red Dead Redemption hole this month. I'm screwed. You're welcome. <laughs> Legitimately, I look at Steam and it says I've played that game for 80 hours. And I'm only in chapter four. It's a fantastic, fantastic game. Yeah. There's no shame. There's no shame in that. That is awesome. I also have a couple other things I want to talk about, and this is on the TV show side. Uh, I I haven't watched all of it, but I started watching a Hulu show by the name of Woke. Has any of you, have any of you watched this? Or nope. nope. Came across it. It is, it's actually kind of fun. Um, it stars, can't remember his name, from New Girl, the coach replacement. Mm-hmm. Um, and wait, 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 what? Is that how long I didn't I stopped watching New Girl for the replaced coach? Coach was only in the first episode, Damien. No man, the black guy that was in New Girl, wasn't he coach? For one episode. And oh. then he left and did happy endings. And then he came back three years later and became a somewhat recurring role. Let me see if we're talking Wilson? About- Is that his name in the show? Can't remember I have I have forgotten anything yeah. about New Girl yeah, well other than know. other than I think the main guy was Nick and uh, Zoe Deschanel. I don't remember her name, um, her character name. So Winston, Winston, yes. right? Lamorne Morris. Uh huh. Yeah, he wasn't always coach. No, he oh. he actually is not coach. They kept that in the bag for later. Which clearly was a good idea because Coach came back to them and was like, "Hey, um, uh, my show finished, and oh, so my dad Damon won't put me in his show." So, <laughs> Damon Wins Junior. Yeah, Damon yeah. Wins Junior was in it for like one Listen, episode, two max. I mean, I Happy like, Ending oh. is so much better than New Girl. It's not even funny. I should bite. Where did I go? Ah, then that now. <laughs> anyway, Winston is in this show, and it's a show about him he is a comic book artist is that the dating one is that no, the dating movie it's, oh. not a, it's not a dating show it is one where he gets woke so he yeah. is like run of the mill don't want to upset white people kind of comic book artist and then he gets stopped by police because he fits the description and yeah and you know they rough him up a bit more than they would say a white person, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden he becomes woke, and they literally personify his wokeness through the use of it's almost like Amelie, right? Where 
his things talk to him. So his marker talks to him. His marker is JB Smooth. Uh, he he walks past a, a garbage can, which I believe it sounds to me like Cedric the Entertainer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the garbage yeah. can is like, you know what you need to do. That's pretty you, you, you know what you need to do. And what he needs to do, Damien, Andrew, is do the right thing and take that garbage can and throw it into a, a storefront window. But um, it is... Oh my like, God, I didn't... I, I need to applaud you for everything you just said. <laughs> yep. like, it is, I didn't think you had it in you to make a spikely joke in well, your... You know, I mean, I have to appreciate the man. He is technically good. <laughs> He's made one or two great Douglas, movies. Douglas, don't say that out loud. <laughs> uh, but this show is like a childish view of um, some serious issues. And I do like childish things. And I've watched maybe the first four or five episodes. And I'm kind of enjoying it. Sashira Zameta is in this movie, in, in the show as well. Uh but it's cool. I, I I don't mind it at all. I kind of stopped and haven't started back, but still want to. It is a fun little childish thing. And for the folks that need it, there are serious issues being tackled. Uh, one other thing I want to discuss, and I will just say this because I know Andrew hasn't seen it. I don't know where Damien, you are on this, but I think we'll probably need a proper show on this at one stage. Guess what, guys? Fargo is back. Yes! I, I have watched only the first episode. I still have the second one to watch, but it looks like they done did it again. Right, when um, the season is over, please remind me that we need to talk about. Yeah, we're going to have to talk. About. Yeah, yeah. Um, they made oh. me enjoy. I think Chris Rock is in. That is how yes. good that show is. Yes. <laughs> oh, Damien, like I thought you actually like Chris Rock. For for you to say that, I I, I don't really feel moved. But I Damien, like- it made me. I like Chris Rock, the stand-up person, and that was 40 years ago. I don't even like Chris Rock. He's been bad for 100 years, and I do not... When I see Chris Rock, I know the thing is going to be bad. (laughs) And Fargo (laughs) proves that that is not true. (laughs) Oh, that show is good. Yeah, it is. It is. But that's about it. Other than sports, I have not watched much. Damien, yes, sir. Please tell us. Give us a, a look into your life of television. All right, I'm here to talk about three movies, and I will be going from worst to best based on IMDb's ratings. <laughs> see up front, I do not agree with these ratings. <laughs> but let's go. Uh, number one, uh, Jonathan Wu. Maker of timeless classics. Made a mistake once. <laughs> Tom Cruise approached him and said, Come destroy the Mission Impossible franchise. <laughs> <laughs> and John Woo was bored and hungry, I guess. And uh, shot this movie. Now, the reason I went back and rewatched this movie is because I found out recently that John Woo did not edit this movie. He shot the movie and then Tom Cruise and his crew said, you don't get to edit any of this movie. (laughs) Tom Cruise was not well pleased. And so 
took the footage from Mr. Wu and gave us Mission Impossible 2. And when I watched the movie through that lens, I am here to finally recant my initial statement. Mission Impossible 2 is trash. <laughs> I keep telling you this. There was one watch where I liked it. And since then, I've seen it again. And I'm like, wait, no, I don't think I do. <laughs> oh, is it, the, even though the movie came out in 2000, is it one of the most 90s movies to oh, ever been committed to absolutely. film? Yes. <laughs> and did I smile at every John Wooism? Yes. But <laughs> it's time to call a spade a spade. <laughs> you Damien. Based on everything else that the Mission Impossible movies have done, I think we have to look at this movie and say, the one that you can point to and go, that is not a Mission Impossible movie. It's Mission Impossible 2. Are you saying MI3 is no longer the worst? MI3 can't be the worst because Mission Impossible 2 is clearly the worst. Oh, I hate you so <laughs> much. It's clearly the worst one. MI2 is great. Well, sorry, what now, Andrew? No. I love MI2. I'm sorry, the John Woo MI2? The one that you gave me grief for all the time? Anyway. Yes. Listen, uh, here's a couple things that is tremendous about the movie that I didn't recognize until now going back and looking at this movie. One, the cars in this movie is the worst cars I've ever seen in any big budget movie uh, ever. Hold on, Damien. Yes. Are you forgetting that there was a Mission Impossible in India where mm -hmm. Tom Cruise had a fucking superhero car? Yes, but I'm saying in Mission Impossible 2, they're just using Ford Escorts. Like it is the worst. When you oh, go oh, genuinely bad yeah, cars. Genuinely okay. bad. Okay. Like, okay. Bad guys are driving like Ford Focus. Like Douglas, when I've seen no. Like every every movie where there's some secret organization, they're in like sleek black sedans or SUVs, like the most expensive cars, because it's spy things. Douglas, it literally looks like all the cars were taken, like, off the side of the... It is... I'm, when, I, when I watch it now, I'm just like, wait a second. Why does this look so wrong? And it looks wrong because they're using terrible cars that can't do any of the things. <laughs> and... Then John Woo just piles his wooisms on top of it. Like, uh, there is legitimately bike foo. Now, is it torque bike foo? No, because you cannot reach to those levels. Only one thing is at the top of the mountain. Fast and the Furious is almost there, but torque still reigns supreme. There's bike foo. Uh, Tom Cruise's hair is beautiful. <laughs> Every time he fights, there's slowdown of his hair flipping back and forth, and it is ridiculous. Uh, this this movie is banana. It is crazy. <laughs> and I I cannot believe it took me this long to realize how bad a movie it was. I still like the movie. I'm just here to say the six point one that it has on IMDb. It's probably oh, that's, accurate. That's not accurate. It's probably accurate. That's, that's <laughs> it's it, not. This, this movie needs to be below five. Yeah. Sub five. <laughs> it ain't. It's not great. <laughs> um, 
Speaking of not great, I went back. I was looking at um, <coughs> Mr. Wakanda's uh, oh, filmography. Oh, and boy. I said to myself, Damien, you've seen most of these movies. Like, you've seen his movies. The one that you didn't really give a fair shot to was 21 Bridges. And so I went back to look at Taylor Kitsch's performance <laughs> in 21 Bridges. That movie is okay. <laughs> I may have came on here and said unkind things about that movie. This movie is fine. It's probably better than fine. Um, it's, it's the standout performance is Taylor Kitsch, which who knew that that man can actually act? Uh, not me. I didn't think it was possible. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Are we talking about yes. Virginia? Yep. We are speaking about John Carter himself. Uh, he does a very good job in this movie. Uh, I didn't think I'd ever... All right, put, put it this way. J.K. Simmons in, is in this movie. He's better than J.K. Simmons in this movie. I don't want to tell you. He's definitely better than Chadwick Boseman. Uh, the story is nonsensical and circular and stupid. Um, but the performance is... The movie is well shot and it is well acted. The story is where this movie falls down. But I've seen that Taylor Kitsch can actually act. And so that gives me hope for humanity, I guess. Um, I think the last thing I saw him in was the True Detective season that I've not watched again. Which one was that? That was season two? He was in the weird one, the season two. I don't remember a lot about season two. Yeah, except that you kept saying, oh, it's good if you watch it the right way. Oh, no. I remember that I liked it because I didn't have to wait 10 weeks and hate every single episode individually. I just got to see the entire story and so didn't come up hating it like everybody else. And I enjoy, listen, no matter what any, all of, any of you say, until I go back and rewatch season two, I don't have any issues with season two. Is it better than season one? No, it isn't. But I still like season two. So fuck you, people. <laughs> and last but not least, uh, because I knew I was going to watch, uh, we were going to be talking about war movies. I went back and I watched two war movies. One by Chris Nolan, which my stance on that has not changed at oh, all. Oh, fuck yourself. You're not allowed to talk about it then. Yeah, that's... I'm I not allowed to say those words. I wasn't planning to talk about it. The one I'm planning to talk about is Sam Mendes' near masterpiece, 1917. I've seen this movie three times now. The first two times I saw it, I was... I, I know I'm supposed to like this movie. But that's what it felt like. It felt like me basically giving in to hype. Because everybody's like, oh, it's so amazing. And it's one shot and all of that matters. And Sam Mendes does the things he does. He makes movies look so good. There's times you get upset. You're just like, how are you this good at this? And everybody else is so, is so trash. I watch it this time now with no hype would know anything just to sit down what is this movie if you just sit down if you know what is happening does anything about this movie change and while i don't think the movie is uh let's use ratings i don't think it is a five out of five i think 
every time I watch this movie, it gets closer and closer to the five. Like, it is doing the thing that some movies do to me, where it, I ha- I'm drawn to rewatching them to like see the thing that I know is in there, but I I haven't seen but think is in the movie. That is what 1917 is. Like the movie, I know I'm supposed to think that this movie is a masterpiece. And it's weird to not think that about a movie and not be able to find real flaws in the movie. Like there's nothing I can point to in the movie and go, I don't like. I like all of the individual parts, I like all the pacing. I like the fact that he kills, I think, two people in this entire movie. I like the fact that they kept the one shot thing. Yeah, there's places where you can see they do some uh, chicanery with the camera to keep it going. But that's what you have to do. You cannot just shoot a movie as one long take. People have Don't tried that. Don't you dare say that about... I've, I've watched Victoria. Yeah, you can Victoria. do it. And people it's have, great. People have tried that and they have failed miserably. <laughs> Or that Russian movie. <laughs> every, every single aspect of this movie works. Um, and the, this, this time when I saw it, um, the final section where he finally makes it to the platoon and he decides that he's just going to go over... Um, onto the field and just basically cut across. He's not going through the trenches, but he's so out of it that he's basically willing himself forward. Like, he's not walking or running. He's just basically moving forward. And the camera, it's the first time there's any, like, there's any like real movement in the ca- like the camera feels like it is it is tied to his reaction so it shakes about and it goes forward and back and you watch it and none of the rest of the movie does that and you see him get over and he talks to uh Benedict Cumberbatch and who uh, Another thing I love about this movie is that he's promoted heavily um, in every trailer in this movie, and he's in this movie for maybe 30 seconds, <laughs> which I think is, is pretty good. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I like that. I like that he's there long enough for you to see that it's him, and then he's never seen again. Um, but the ending of this movie is what really gets me. Um, there's many ways that you probably could have ended this movie, and I think this is the this is the right way. Like everything, like he did the thing he was supposed to do. This the siege is called off, and someone said to him, you know, go get some food and get some medical attention or whatnot. And he's so out of the entire situation that he just finds a tree to go sit at. And then they're just like the movie so far and i like all of this movie but 
not in the way I, I know I'm going. I know years from now, I'm going to think that this movie is a absolute masterpiece. But there's something preventing me from saying that now. I don't know why. Because I don't know where the faults in this movie. Like, I've seen people, I've read reviews and give a shit about what, like, some people make half decent points, but not strong enough to sway me in, in any it's way. because there are too many stars in this movie, Damien. Damien, <laughs> the faults lie in their stars. I hate you very much. I hate you a lot, a lot, a lot, sir. <laughs> uh, I'm going to punch you whenever I ever see you again. Um, I hate you a lot. Uh, like even Colin Firth is so unassisted. He just he just shows up and he's just like, all right, look, we we're going that way, so you might as well. Like, unlike the other two movies that we saw uh, and talked about this week, um, that dealt with war, like this movie makes the point about war being hell without reveling in it they're just like listen every this the situation the scenery everything is bad but we have to move on <laughs> and that is what the sh- the movie is it is just him having to move forward regardless of what happens and every time he gets the opportunity to take a breath he is instantly lurched back into the thing he has to do and just has to go forward. And it is tremendous. Um, and I don't know who is listening to this that hasn't seen 1917. Um, but even for me, someone that is burnt out on a lot of these war movies, I've seen the things that they have to say and do and the points that they're trying to make. This movie isn't making any part. It's just, this is the situation. This is what we need to achieve. And the movie goes there. And then the movie ends. Nothing else on either side of the movie. No backstories, no end credits, no no nothing. This is what needs to happen. You need to go from here to here. And they do it. And it's done spectacularly. And it ends. And I'm glad that we will never have to re-rank uh, our top movies of 2019 because years won't be relevant after this one uh, <laughs> because there'd be real problems at the top of my list. Uh, yeah, 1917. I think that movie's a masterpiece. I think so. I think I'm convin- trying to convince myself that that movie's a masterpiece. Is it sad that when you started talking in my head, I was like, ooh, he's going to talk about how Jarhead is great. No, that's... I like Jarhead. I'm never going to talk about how Jarhead is great. So I've not seen it in a long time. I remember loving it. I yeah, I'm sure it's bad. I mean, Jimmy Fox is in it, so... Come hey, on. hey, hey, motherfucker Jones. <laughs> Bats. <laughs> I've been watching that movie lately. Ah, I love oh, it. Um... Uh, I want to... Damien, you're done with the movies, right? Yes, I'm finished. I want to point the focus back on Andrew. Mm-hmm. Andrew, you've been anxiously awaiting a certain release. 
And I just realized <laughs> I haven't spoken about it. Have you or have you not watched Antebellum? I have not watched it. What? Like, I have read awful things. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> People have not been saying nice things about that movie. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? In Wait. 2020, I can give that one up. Unless, <laughs> somebody, unless somebody picks it on the podcast. John is four years old. <laughs> you know what's funny is that like, and I I wonder if it's based on you alone. Why? Because at first I saw that trailer and I'm like, nope, not for me. And then something has been like gnawing at me. You know, you should probably try watching that movie. And I've even put it on my wish list. And you, Andrew, have turned sure. you. You become sure. the responsibilities. <laughs> Oh boy. But interestingly enough, um, you have put on for our next podcast a movie that I was definitely going to watch in the coming week anyway. So that's going to be interesting. This is me more likely saying, Douglas, you could have picked this. <laughs> well, my view is, as always, I will never pick a movie as definitely going to watch, or I thought we were all definitely going to watch anyway. Why? <laughs> <laughs> so that he can punish us with movies like <laughs> The Painted Bird. <laughs> or The Cheap Detective. Oh! <laughs> I forgot about The Cheap Detective. Yeah, at least it was only an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> or Jojo Rabbit. Excuse me? Oh, fuck all y'all with <laughs> the haterade that you be drinking, all right? Jojo Rabbit is a masterpiece. Is it? Speaking is of it? masterpieces, yeah. you guys remember Limp Biscuit did a remix of the Mission Impossible 2 yeah. <laughs> themes. It's so funny to like, watch those movies and know that it didn't think, that, it thought the 90s was still happening up yep. to like fourth movie. Yep. Because the third movie, I think, was Kanye West who did it, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> And I think somebody like.